It's good to be with you. And uh, I just want to share before I get into the message a little bit, um, since I'm the youth pastor on our youth and what they've been doing the last few weeks. Um, our youth have been busy. We've done two different missions trips, one to uh, Mississippi, which I did not go on. And then this past week, we went to uh, Michigan as well. And uh, I would like you, you know, to encourage you to continue to pray for our youth. Um, they served. They did a lot of community service in Mississippi. A lot of still cleanup work and rebuilding is needed from Hurricane Katrina. So that's what they were down there doing, as well as running a VBS program. And in Michigan, we did a, a lot of different community service there. Um, so if I doze off this morning, you will understand why I was just getting back Friday. Um, the first few nights, it was it was hot and didn't sleep well. And then finally, when we got that figured out, I had kids sleepwalking and waking me up in the middle of the night. Um, so, but it was a it was a good week, and we saw. I, I know in both of the weeks, we really saw God move and work and, and do some great things in the lives of our young people, and uh, also um, just through them too. And for me, it takes me a little longer now to recover from these trips since I'm getting old. So. The next six weeks, we're going to be talking about the kingdom experience and going through the Beatitudes. As the pastors met and we discussed where we'd like to go, um, we really wanted to do a series that we could experience together. And, and that's what we are going to do over the next six weeks as, as we share a quote that I like to share with you by Shane Claiborne says, Most good things have been said far too many times and just need to be lived. And, and that's just really where we're at. I think many of us have read the Beatitudes or we've heard the Beatitudes. And yet, are we truly living the Beatitudes and what they have to say? And that's what we're going to be looking at over these next six weeks. And a few things that the Beatitudes are not. One, that they are not a top eight list to happiness. You can't just put them. There's so many people out there with their top ten list, top five, top whatever. They're not a top eight list to happiness. Just because you have them, it doesn't mean you're going to be happy. They also are not mandates. They're not mandates as well that this is something that you have to do. But what they are is that they're meant to be lived and shared. They're meant to be such a part of your life that you are just living them, that they don't feel like mandates, and they're meant to be shared with those people around you. And that's what we are hoping to experience over these next six weeks. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background to where Jesus was at that time and why it was so significant to Israel and to the people when they listened to him. And first of all, you know, just to, to let you know that this is recorded both in Matthew chapter 5 and also in Luke chapter 6. Both of these disciples recorded um, this sermon, this teaching, whatever you would like to call it. And, and why that's significant is Jesus probably preached hundreds of these types of sermons on this kind of topic. But for some reason, with the Beatitudes, with the Sermon on the Mount, they felt, you know what, this is something we need to record and we need to share with people. So there was a significance there. And there was also a significance of how and where Jesus taught. And as we look at that, 
why it was such a big deal to the Israelites is their whole history, their whole story revolved around them leaving Egypt. Them getting to escape from Egypt and it came to the point where then Moses ascended up onto a mountain and heard the word of God and he brought that back to them in the form of the law. And that's what their whole you know, history, and that was so important to them that here they escaped from Egypt and Moses was able to hear from God and brought them the law. And this was the word of God. This is what they were to live by. And as they went through history, as you read through the Old Testament, they obeyed the law, they would break the law. It seemed to be God would, you know, punish them bring them back into his graces. And it seemed like a vicious cycle that would go throughout the Old Testament. But this was the word of God that they had. This was their law. So that's where these people were at. And then all of a sudden you have this teacher, this rabbi, who ascends up a hillside on a mountainside. And now he is proclaiming something totally different. He is saying, I am the word of God in human form. If you read a little bit farther past the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22, they go, he says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, but I tell you. In other translations, it says, you have heard that the law of Moses says, but I say. So here he was basically taking what these people had known and really turning everything upside down because all of a sudden this man standing in front of him was saying, you know what, I'm the word of God in human form. You've been living by this, but here's how you should be living from here on out. So that's why this was so significant because it was the same image for them. Here's someone up on a mountain. Moses had ascended on a mountain, came back with God's word, and now you have someone else on a hillside saying, This is the word of God. You heard it then, but now I'm saying this. So that's why why there is such a significance there. And the other thing that was so big about these Beatitudes is he started with the insignificant, which we're going to get to in a second. And these people who thought they had nothing, all of a sudden he's saying, you know what, you are significant, and I'm going to bless you. And here's how you can be blessed. And they had never heard anything like that before because they were the lowly. They were the lowest. No one cared for them. And here's someone saying, this is what used to be said, but this is what I'm saying. And I'm saying that no matter who you are, you're significant. And that was huge. That was turning everything upside down. And so that's why when we get into... These Beatitudes, that's why we wanted to do a series on these and and call it the Kingdom Experience because right now we are living in the middle of God's Kingdom. And we need to be living these things out before others. And so that's what we're going to be doing these next six weeks. And why we're calling it an experience is we're going to ask you guys to do things. You're going to have to actually experience. You're going to actually maybe have to get up and move. 
we're going to stretch you guys a little bit. Okay? And we can't force you to do anything, but we are going to kind of lightly nudge you to do things. So I'm hoping you're excited about these next six weeks and getting into the Beatitudes and seeing what they're all about. And then also you're excited that, you know what, we're going to actually have you guys experience this. And we're going to challenge you to do different things. So some of you have worried looks on your faces. What are they going to make me do? We're not going to make you do anything. We're going to suggest God's the one who will then do the rest. So the first beatitude we're going to look at is, is the one he starts with, which in the NIV it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the message he writes, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. As you look at this, you may think if, if you've, read these at all between Matthew and Luke that there's a little bit of discrepancy because Luke just says, blessed are the poor. He doesn't add the in spirit at the end. But as you read through the book of Luke, he tends to focus a lot more on the physical aspect of who he is writing to. So to him, he's going to focus on blessed are those who are poor. Where in Matthew, he was so much more spiritually, not that Luke isn't spiritually focused, but Matthew was focused more on God's kingdom, it being here, that he took it and said blessed are the poor in spirit. And as you read through scripture, a lot of times the poor in spirit and the poor are associated with each other. So that's what we're going to look at. This morning, And what exactly does that mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, the first thing I want to ask you guys is, when things are going well, where's your focus at? When everything in your life seems to be going good, where's your focus? I think so many times our focus is just right in front of us. That when things are going well, they're going good, that we're not worried about anything else. We concentrate on ourselves. And it becomes, you know what, I'm doing good at this, I'm doing good at that. And yes, maybe every now and then we say, thank you, God. But a lot of times we lose where our focus should really be. Because... Things are going well. In these verses then, though, he brings up, blessed are those who are poor, or poor in spirit. And to the Israelites, that would have connected immediately because for them, a lot of them lived on the edge as far as with dealing with where their next meal is going to be coming from, how they could clothe their family, all those types of things. So all of a sudden they're hearing, blessed are the poor, and and they're saying, you know what, we're going to pay attention to what he's saying and what exactly this means. And I think we take so many things for granted that our focus becomes totally different. But what happens when you have nowhere to turn to and you have no other options? Where does your focus go? 
God. And basically what he was saying was when you're poor in spirit, when you're stretched to your limits, when you have nowhere else to go to, that's when you're going to be blessed because that's when you're totally depending on God. And it's tough when sometimes it takes us going through trials, going through poverty to get us there. But when you're truly there, when you're totally relying on God, that's when you're blessed. I made it through the first service. I don't know if I will this one. Um, I'll share this with you. I didn't with the first service. Just so you know if I'm a little emotional where I'm coming from because this is hitting home to me. Um, This past week with my father, um, we found out that uh, he has cancer, um, pancreatic cancer, and we're waiting to hear um, what type. And uh, so, so for me, you know, we're at the point where, you know, the doctor basically said, if it's this type, you have no options. And so, so this is hitting home for me. So if there's times I have to pause, I apologize. Um, I've been praying that, that I would make it through, but it's becoming a little bit tougher. But when you have no options, you turn to God. And that basically leads you to a hope, which is Jesus Christ. And that helps you then to get through the toughest situations. Basically, Jesus was saying that when we get to that place where all we can do is trust him through poverty and trials, it is that that produces blessedness. We need to come to a place where our trust in God is more important than our basic needs. And that's a tough thing to do. But we need to come to a place where our trust in God is more important than our basic needs. The next chapter in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33, they say this. Jesus talking and continuing his his teaching. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We need to come to a place where our trust in God is more important than our basic needs. In those verses, he was basically saying, 
I'll take care of you. You don't need to worry about things. Totally trust me, and I will do that for you. And that's where we need to be. We need to get to that place where all of our dependence is totally on Him. And that's when we're truly blessed. For me, one of the best ways to illustrate this visually is an old illustration. I'm going to use a stool instead of a chair because I don't want to try to carry one of those up here. But our trust. I can say that I trust this chair will hold me. I can say I know it's made well, that it's going to support my body weight and all those kind of things. But do I truly trust this chair standing here? You may say, yeah, he really thinks he does. But the only way I can fully prove my trust in this stool is by what? Sitting in it or on it. can't sit in it. Sitting on it. This is it. This is the only way that I can totally say I trust this chair. And we do that so many times in our walk with Jesus is we'll stand by Jesus and we'll say, I trust you. I trust you with this. I trust you with that. But do we really? Because if we're still holding on to stuff, if it's still, you know what, I trust you, but I'm going to be the one to get myself through this. I'm not going to rely on you. Then you don't totally trust him. The only way that you can totally trust Jesus is basically saying, okay, Jesus, I trust you, and I'm giving you everything. And that's what he's saying when he gets to this blessed is the poor in spirit. Because you're at such a point where you're saying, you know what? I have no other place to turn. So I'm going to put all of my trust in you. I'm going to put all of my faith in you. And that's when you're truly blessed. And when you do that, what's the end result of that? At the end of that verse, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What an awesome reward for saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to totally trust you. I'm going to be totally dependent on you and everything. You're going to bless me. And my reward is your kingdom. How amazing that is. But it's tough to do that, isn't it? It's tough. This, this past week in, in Michigan, when we were there on, on our, uh, our missions trip, we had group devotions one night and we were talking about faith. And, and I shared with them just an old acronym I learned when I was in Sunday school growing up that it was forsaking all, I trust him. I don't know if you guys have heard that acronym of, of the word faith. And, but it, it's so true that no matter what's going on, no matter what's around you, that, you know what, I need to forsake everything else and just totally trust Jesus. You know? And, and I've been pushing that this past week with my dad. Because I want to say, you know what, I want another opinion. I want this. I want that. Um, but then it comes back to, you know what, I just need to trust God in this. 
because he knows what he's doing with my father's life. And I need to just rest in that. Is it easy? (laughs) No. Not at all. But is it worth it? Yes. Because am I worrying right now? No. Am I sad? I don't know, sad. Mourning, which you'll learn about that next week. Yeah, I'm mourning. But there's a difference between mourning and being sad. But you need to totally put your trust in Him. And that's when you're truly blessed. And that's what He was talking about in this first beatitude. Now, as we sat down as pastors and thought, what could be the experience? What can we take away from this that will help us as a community, as a church, remember this? And we started thinking, what's one of the things, because this is dealing with the poor, the poor in spirit, what's one of the things that we take for granted in our lives? And I think a lot of times we take, not all of us, but I think a lot of times we take for granted our our clothing, our material things. And uh, so we decided to go with shoes as our experience for this. And what I meant by that is so many times I think we have a lot of pairs of shoes. Um, some of us have shoes that match each outfit that we can wear. You know, I personally don't have that many, but some of us have a, a lot of shoes. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but we just do. And on the flip side of that, there's people out there who don't have any. Or we may look at the shoes they're wearing and say, there's no way I would put those on my feet. You know? And this past week, one of the opportunities I had to do was, was uh, I worked in a thrift store in Bay City, basically taking the things that were donated from the back and putting them out on the, on the uh, floor. And the youth that was with me, one of the first things we did was we got three or four boxes of, of shoes and took them out. They had a whole shoe display, and we filled that all the way up. We went and did some other stuff. We came walking back by, and it was, wow, a lot of the shoes are gone already. So we got more boxes, and probably in the three hours we were there, we refilled that. Not that it was totally empty, but there's enough spaces to refill it three or four times. People need shoes. And so what we have decided to do is we're teaming up with the city mission, and over the next six weeks of this series, if you have used shoes or new shoes that you would like to donate, there's going to be boxes or whatever out in the foyer that you can bring them in each week and donate them, and they're going to go people who need them and, and can use them. And that's going to be a part of you just reminding you, you know what, I need to be totally dependent on God. I need to totally rely on Him. And one of the ways that I'm just going to remind myself of this and not take this for granted is I'm going to give shoes that that in a way can help other people. Now this morning too, we're going to take it even a step further for you. 
And this is not for everybody, but maybe some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, you know what, I just need to make a decision, a commitment, or whatever now. And I'm going to challenge you guys. Maybe some of you are feeling led that before you walk out of these doors, you're going to leave the shoes that you're wearing up here at the front. And it's not going to be any show. It's just going to be when we close the service and we pray, everyone's leaving, you can come up front and leave your shoes. So it's, it's, it's not a showy thing. It's just, you know, this is where I'm at. And, you know, at the end of the first service, I was standing here. And, you know, you know I've, I've preached this whole thing, and we need to be totally dependent and all of this. And I watched my, my nine-year-old son walk up and leave his shoes. And my first thought is, those are your Sunday shoes. What are you doing? You know, that, that's my first thought. And, and it's like, and, and, and I'm like, okay, you know, I just preached this whole thing. And, and now I'm, I'm thinking, why, why is he doing that? <laughs> so, oh, well. Um, it's like, sorry, God. Um, and so that's why this is so difficult at times to totally rely on him. And, and, you know, I went down and hugged him and just said I was proud of him for doing that. And then during this first part, I was looking at his shoes saying, he has really big feet for a nine-year-old um, as, as I was sitting there. But, and, and that's how, you know, our, our walk, trying to live this stuff out, man, it's messy. Because even there, you know, my first thought was, what are you doing? You know? And, but then it was, I know what he's doing because God's. Anyways. As you go through your week and think of this first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, are you at the point where you're totally relying on God and you're totally trusting Him? Because if you're living it out, that's when you're truly blessed. And that's what He means by that first beatitude. And we want to encourage you throughout the series as you feel led to, to bring in shoes. Those are going to go to help other people. And this morning, you know, again, it's not a showy thing, but if you're feeling, you know what, I just want to make that statement now after we pray, after we dismiss, and I'm just going to come up and, and leave my shoes. You can do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again just for who you are. I thank you again for sending your son to this earth and and the teaching that he brought us. I thank you so much that he cared for everyone, that he didn't just come here to hang out and to talk and to be with those who had everything, but everyone was equal in his eyes. That even those who may have thought themselves insignificant, he made significant. And I thank you for that. And I pray for us as a church, as we go through 
these next six weeks as, as we go through this kingdom experience together as a family. That you would do some incredible things. That we would be willing to stretch ourselves. That for some of us, maybe that even means walking out of here barefoot this morning. And over these next few weeks, that we would be willing to just live out your kingdom here on earth. And then just see all that you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And I just pray over these next six weeks that you would do whatever it takes to draw us closer to you. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen.